You are listening to the Choose Your Struggle Podcast, a member of the Shameless Podcast Network. Y'all know I love to read, and almost every episode of this podcast includes a recommendation to check out an awesome book. From a D. Jaffe's abstinence myth to Johan Hari's chasing the scream, I'm constantly looking for new books to learn from and enjoy. That's why I'm super excited to partner with Bookshop. Bookshop is a wonderful website that helps you find all your favorite books and support your local neighborhood bookstore in the process. I've bought everything from textbooks to Star Wars novels on Bookshop, and I've supported my local store with each transaction. Best of all, my Bookshop link will allow you to see all the books I've mentioned on the show right in one spot. So check out Bookshop today using the link in my show notes or go to bookshop.org slash shop slash C-Y-S and you'll find all the awesome books you want and support the podcast in the process. Check it out today. Today on the Choose Your Struggle podcast, it's the indescribable Amy Minhan Corey prefers kid mental roads. Where we're going, we don't need roads. Things ain't always gonna go our way. But you can always win when you just struggle. And some battles will be yesterday. But today is for a new weekend. You just struggle. And don't worry about what they say. Cause you can always win when you just struggle. And you can bounce back. Just as James. Come on in, listening to just struggle. Hello and welcome to the Choose Your Struggle podcast. It's great to be back with all of you. It really is. I, I haven't recorded in a couple of weeks because I was traveling and I, I pre-recorded the last couple episodes. And it's good to be back here recording this and talking directly to all of you. A couple of big things this week. Uh, a lot to get through in this, in this intro before we get on to the incredible Amy Minhan Corey. This is a fun episode. You guys are going to like this a lot. But before we get to that, Number one, as I've mentioned a couple of times, my wife and I are moving to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania here in uh, about three weeks. We have a lease signed and all that good stuff down in the Point Breeze neighborhood of South Philly. So if any of you are listening in the Philadelphia area and you're like, oh my God, I would love to chat with him or whatever, please reach out. We, we need all the wrecks. We need all the, you know, check out this spot, that spot where we can get some water ice, all that kind of great stuff. So you know, definitely reach out. We would, I would love to hear from you. Also, speaking of what I love, I got a, a fantastic review that I wanted to share. Um, I meant to do this last week, but obviously I was traveling. So uh, it was a five-star review on Apple from someone who calls himself SK-WAD. Uh, thank you. <laughs> the review said, thank you for making my day. I love listening. That's wonderful. Thank you. I, I, I love getting those. Those are my favorite. <laughs> so uh, thank you very much for for doing that. A couple other things before we get into the show. This is a, a, something that they're recommending all podcasters tell their, their audience. Apple is changing uh, the word they use for, for, for podcasts from subscribe to follow. Um, now, most other places already do that, but there was this idea that people thought they had to pay money if you if you saw the word subscribe, and so they're they're changing to follow. So if you are someone who, um, for for whatever reason, has been abstaining from following the podcast on Apple because it said subscribe, well, now now you have your excuse. A couple other things. <laughs> 
first off, uh, or next off, I don't know where I am in <laughs> my checklist. This is cool. This is really cool. I, after over a year, have uh, said goodbye to Mountain Maid. Still love Mountain Maid. In fact, as I told them when, when I was telling them that I'm moving on, I'm going to still buy their products. But I didn't feel right having more than one CBD podcast sponsor. Uh, as you know, last season I had two. I dropped Boston Empire because I just wanted to focus on Mountain Maid. And now I'm switching to the amazing Roadrunner. You all heard Kyle Blanks talk about Roadrunner a couple weeks ago when he was on. I love their products. You'll hear the ad later in this, uh, this show. And I just, uh, it was an easy switch. Kyle and I are working on some really cool stuff. Stay tuned for that. But in the meantime, I am taking on Roadrunner as uh, a partner for this, for this show and, and for some other stuff that I'm doing as well. So a couple things about that. Number one, if you want to check out Roadrunner's products, go to my personal site, which is roadrunnercbd.com, and that's spelled roadrunner, R-O-A-D-R-U-N-N-E-R-C-B-D.com, slash ref, R-E-F, slash C-Y-S, roadrunnercbd.com, slash ref, slash C-Y-S. You can buy any of their amazing products and use the code C-Y-S at checkout for 10% off, and that'll obviously help the podcast in the process. That's in the show notes. That's on my podcast website. If you've ever been to my uh, campsite bio link, which has all my stuff you know, listed, it's now there. Definitely check them out. You have an added reason to. This is pretty cool. You know, last season, I did a couple of giveaways for people who filled out the survey and left reviews and all that kind of stuff. And I'm going to do that again later this season. But right now, I'm doing my first giveaway of the season, and it's going to be a Roadrunner product. Any product of your choice, you can get their, their tincture, their, their uh, muscle gel, their rub, whatever you want from me, here's what you have to do, all right? You have to follow me on all social media, okay? I'm trying to build up my social media because, you know, you hear this show once a week or twice a week if you listen on Mondays, but I do a lot of stuff, uh, you know, between then. And, and so I'm trying to build up the social media so people can understand where, what I'm up to and stay tuned with me. And I get a lot of great people reaching out that way. So these are all in the show notes on my campsite bio. Again, if you haven't seen that, uh, go to the show notes and you'll see a link. This is campsite in it that has all of my links in its inside of it. Or go to my website, jshiffman.com, and it's all there. But here they are. There's six of them, okay? LinkedIn, okay? Just search for jshiffman, J-A-Y-S-H-I-F-M-A-N on LinkedIn. On Facebook, go to the Choose Your Struggle page. There is a new Facebook group on Choose Your Struggle for Choose Your Struggle, and it's growing quickly. In a week, there's 55 people. It's for people to chat about these topics, for me to talk to people. It's wonderful. We're having a great time in there. You can check that out. That's not part of the giveaway, although I would love for you to join. Uh, if you go to the Choose Your Struggle page, you can see it there. So Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter is CYS underscore J. TikTok is CYS underscore J. Uh, YouTube is Jay Schiffman. There is a, a Choose Your Struggle page. Don't worry about that one. It's Jay Schiffman on, on YouTube. And Instagram is the most important. That's where I do most of my work. That's not true. LinkedIn is where I do most of my work. But I really want people to follow on Instagram. And it's both Choose Your Struggle and Jay Schiffman. So if you search for them, you can find them. So here's how this is going to work. Follow me on those six. If you don't have one, I know a lot of people don't have uh, TikTok. People don't have LinkedIn. That's fine. You have to message me on one of those six. Uh, not TikTok. 
one of those five, one of the other ones other than TikTok, and tell me that you're following me on all of those, those social media sites. And if you don't have one, tell me that there. That's all you got to do. Then you'll be entered into this drawing. I'll do it in the spring. So in the next couple of months, give people time to do this. Once again, six social media sites, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, <laughs> LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. Those are the six. Follow me on all six of them. Message me on one of them. Facebook's the easiest or Instagram, LinkedIn, one of those. Let me know you're following me. And if you do or do not have or don't have one of those other other sites, that's it. And you'll be entered into a drawing. The winner will get to tell me which of the products they want, and I will send it to them. That easy. Uh, so thank you to Roadrunner for sponsoring or partnering with me on that project and helping me grow my social media. All right. Uh, before we get into this last thing, I swear uh, for Amy. So. This shouldn't need to be said, but I really appreciate that this is one of the things Amy and I talk about, and it happens to be this week when we're seeing just a rash of Asian discrimination and violence against the Asian community. Uh, I'm recording this on Wednesday when we had the terrible uh, shooting yesterday in Atlanta, specifically targeting Asian women by a white radical nationalist. I mean, we can call him all the horrible things, right? He is a terrorist, all these horrible things. Amy and I talk about how stupid <laughs> stereotypes are. It's because, you know, you'll, you'll hear in this, there is not a stereotype for, for Amy. And she uh, loves challenging that. She talks about that in this interview and, and that she likes a good challenge and, and, and how stupid these stereotypes are. So, you know, this, there's not really a message there other than don't be terrible. Don't, like, this is... We're in such a difficult time. I think if you're listening to this show, you probably are not harboring a lot of hate in your heart. I, I just, I, I, I'm going to assume that. But just with everything going on, let's, let's just, just stop, just stop, and and stick up for people who don't have a voice. And it's gonna take all of us. That's it. That's the last message I have going into the show. This was a long intro, lot to cover. That's okay. Great episode. Enjoy this amazing conversation with Amy Minhan Corey. If you listen to the podcast, and of course you do because you're hearing this right now, you know that I always ask my guests what their preferred method of self-care is. Well, here's my answer. A good cup of coffee. This year has truly made me appreciate the little things that make my life better. And a good cup of coffee goes a long way. That's why I switched to Four Sigmatic and I haven't gone back. They use mushrooms in their beans and it gives me a kick in the morning that I didn't know I needed before and now I miss if I have anything other than Four Sigmatic. Once you give them a try, trust me, you're not gonna wanna go back. So go check out the link in my show notes or on my podcast website and use the code ChooseYourStruggle, all one word, at checkout to get 10% off. Check out Four Sigmatic today. Thanks for sharing the podcast with your friends. If you're listening on Apple, please rate and review or check out the review link in the show notes. And don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Amy Minhong Corey. 
Um, I was born in Benang, Vietnam, and I was adopted to the United States where um, I grew up in Oregon and, you know, grew up with, you know, going through a lot of things, um, self-harm, bullying, depression, um, attempted suicide, eating disorder. I pretty much say everything you've been through, I've been through as well. Um, but because of it, I was able to turn the darkness into light. And after everything I've been through, every experience, every hard time at 18, I moved to Nashville, Tennessee to continue um, within my passion within music and started my music career at 18. Um, I was very honored to sign to an artist development deal when I was 19 and to a guy named Kent Wells, who is Dolly Parton's producer. And from then on, I got to live the dream within music and realized that, you know, my voice was so much more than three minutes and the songwriting I was doing and, you know, turned that into public speaking and learned from my hardships in my past and the hardships within the industry and continue just growing and learning and transforming and always accepting that, like, there's always room to get better. And so it went from singing, songwriting, writing, public speaking, TV, ambassadorships. And so now I kind of do everything. And it's an honor, but it honestly wouldn't have started or be what it is and with the mindset, with the passion and with the drive and fire if I didn't go through everything I went through in the hard times. And it truly is my passion to show that no matter what you've been through, I'm not telling you what to do. Um, everyone can decide and choose their own life, but I'm showing that it's possible to do anything you want. And I can't believe sometimes what I get to do, but anything is possible. And that's my true passion and showing that through my career and in any way I can. And it's crazy. <laughs> so let's, let's walk through your story a little bit. So you said, how old were you when you came over to the U S I was six months old. Wow. Okay. So you don't have any memory previous before you said it was Oregon, right? I, yeah, I, I have, my parents um, filmed a home video of me of my adoption story and you know i'm thankful that i have a lot of information and documents because um of vietnam they are very you know they have a lot of documentation and so i'm lucky to have that but i was adopted at six months i was a really i was pretty much almost dead as a, as a baby i was rescued in a sense and um was really sick and um i mean i'm only five feet now so you can imagine with a sick little baby Amy was like <laughs> I was I was really saved and I grew up in Oregon um, which was an amazing place to grow up in I people see me as a very city girl now but I lived the Steve Irwin crocodile hunter chasing animals and snakes um, so I grew up in Oregon um, and I, I moved three months after I graduated high school in Nashville so I know that for a lot of people I've actually had people on this podcast to talk about how adoption was a jarring thing for them or or it's a thing they've wrestled with later in life it doesn't sound like that's as the case with you that you it sounds like for you you talk about this in a very therapeutic and happy way yeah you know I recognize that and I went to an adoption camp when I grow up my parents did a very good job on making because my older sister was actually adopted from China they made us recognize and be thankful that we were adopted, but also celebrate it. 
we had what's called a gotcha day where we'd celebrate the day we were adopted. And we always were trying to see it as like, it's a really you know good thing and that it takes a lot of love to do it um, in any aspect. And I recognize, I think most of all, because I actually am an ambassador to Holt International Adoption Agency, um, that every adoption story is different. I have a very different adoption story than my own sister. Um, who is not as happy and loving in a sense. And I think we all cope with it, but I think it is always, you know, we are still alive and we still, you know, have opportunities that it's not, it's not worth my time to see where I am now to think of the what ifs if I wasn't adopted, because I would be dead. <laughs> and I say that too as a joke, because as the only Vietnamese person, a deathly allergic to squid, <laughs> I, I know that my life is better. <laughs> so you, you, you grew up in Oregon, which is, uh, you know, beautiful area and, and not really a place known for its diversity. And then you moved to Tennessee, also not really a place known for its diversity. And not only that, you sing music that is not associated with, you know, with Asian people, with, with anything really other than Southern, Southern white people. And is, is that, is that ever been a weird thing for you to be like, have you been treated as an outsider in this industry or do you sort of have a, a different view on that? I, 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 I like a good challenge. Um, That's fair. I, I, would, I would say that being being an Asian woman singing country music is a challenge. It, you know, it's so funny because I took vocal lessons um, through the nightmare of everything I was going through with the self harm. I was still, in a sense, really working towards my dream, and I got to take vocal lessons from a guy named Ken Orso who was taught by a guy named Seth Riggs, who made Michael Jackson and Stevie Wonder. And I, so I got their same vocal training and I did that for 10 years. And I also learned about songwriting the industry, but I was writing country and I was writing what he thought was very good country. And he was actually one who looked at me when we were deciding where I wanted to go. And he's like, you're writing really good country music. And he looked at me and he was like, have you ever heard of an Asian country singer? And I said, no and i was like 16 and he, he i remember directly he pointed at me and he said do you want to be the first and i was like yeah that'd be cool and i think i think because of everything with the bullying with you know having all odds against me as a child it really set me up to have the mindset that going into the country music industry was going to be really hard and it was going to be really challenging and it was going to be a lot of um you know discrimination and hate and judgment and I think knowing that it really pushed me to really stay focused stay within the line but I am really really thankful that you know I much as there wasn't a lot of diversity in either you know here in Nashville or, or in Oregon I never saw myself really different and I wasn't in the end, I truly think, you know, everyone is different. Everyone is the most own selves and who really wants to be like someone else. And so I really took everything and all the negativity and I turned it into that power and that light. And I am thankful that, you know, people actually, it's funny and I try to see it as humorous. I, I, I genuinely like to know what people, like where people think I actually am from because they really don't know. Cause I don't particularly look Asian in some senses. Um, I have really light hair and I look 
people think I, a lot of people think I'm from like the islands, like Hawaii and, 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 and stuff like that, um, which denying Vietnam is in the middle on the tropics, but I accepted the challenge. And I think, you know, I live really by, you know, expecting the worst and hoping for the best. And it really keeps me grounded and calm in any type of unkind situation. But it definitely has hard times. And I don't feel like I ever was truly accepted within the country music industry. But through that failure, through that understanding, it pushed me beyond it, which I'm thankful for because I'm kind of like, look at me now. Well, before we talk about the speaking and the advocacy, which is all incredible, I do want to keep on the music for one more second. And kind of, <laughs> yeah. you just brought up a really great point. So if you look at your your Spotify, the top <laughs> two songs are very different. The, the look at what you did to me is very much more than country, whereas Ghost Tour is, I was like, wow, this is like straight country music <laughs> coming from this person that I wouldn't expect country to be from, right? So- uh, let's talk about that for a minute because they're both very good songs. I really like Thank look you. at what you did to me like a lot. I like, I put that <laughs> on one of my playlists immediately. Um, so like, let's talk more about the music for a minute. You know, you said you've been got, you've gotten to work with some really incredible people. How is this a thing that you are like seeing yourself now is, you know, I'm kind of beyond the music or is that always going to be a central part of what you're doing? I give everything to my music career. I think it was the bones of so much and I would always love to go back. I always do very much consider myself always in the music industry and I am very much a storyteller. And so I feel like any way to shape with it, whether it's in a song, whether it's in anything, that was always the thing I never, I, I, I in a sense played the game with Ghost Tour and I loved Ghost Tour. I wrote it with, some amazing people and you know the production it just sounded it was what if I was in a country song it's what I wanted as a country song and I was surprised by the radio play and the success of that song and so then I I wanted to continue with that and honestly was willing to continue shaping my music the way that was um look at what you did to me was a um um, a very fast, very um, impulsive decision because of the concept of the song. And, you know, it's kind of, I kind of compare it to, you know, like Taylor Swift's early country to like her reputation album. It was just a mood. <laughs> Look at what you did to me. It was really just a mood. And it was the only impulsive career move I've ever actually done. And because I very much prep and think things through and market and everything. Look at what you did to me was obviously out of emotion of a relationship. And I, it was the first song I actually got to um, co-produce. So it, I wanted to keep that acoustic sound, but in the end, it wasn't about the sound. It was about the lyrics. And I'm so, so thankful for that song because when it was released, I got press within the country music industry. And I also got press in the pop world in Europe. And I got to have both for that song. And I'm so thankful that you like that song. And you add, I mean, it's, it's one of my favorite. It's, it's actually, I have, I, that's one of those two are in that song are actually the ones I have on my Spotify too. <laughs> <laughs> I don't listen to anything else, but um, music, I feel like I never 
wanted to be placed. I was always, you know, whatever it is to someone is you hear a great song and you don't automatically be like, that's country. That's specifically within a genre. It's just a good song. It, it's relatable. And that's all I ever wanted was to show people that I understood them in any aspect. So country, pop, whatever. But I love music. You know, I, I'm so busy right now. <laughs> music's kind of been put on um, just a pause. And I think, look at what you did to me was about our relationship with someone within the music industry. And I think there's always, you know, healings and things to do about that. And it really opened my mind on a lot more that there is so much more as well than being tied into a three minute song. So I love music and I give it and thank hats off to it always. So before we move on from the music, one last question on that. You have, as we were saying, look at what you did to me. It's obviously a breakup song. If you can't tell from the title, it's very much like, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's it's there. And then you also have Stay Fierce, which is also sort of the other, when I think about the sort of the two emotions, the three emotions that people are allowed to express in songs, it's like loss, right, from breakups. And and, and women empowerment, we get a lot of that from like Lizzo and, and, and some other incredible artists. And then you have Love, obviously, which is many many songs why do you think it's so hard to for other emotions to break through right so i think about things like a uh, logic song about the suicide hotline and and some of these other really important songs that are almost the exception that proved a rule because i can't think of another hit about suicide other than that song by logic so so why is it that some of these are super you know allowable and yet all these other topics, it's really hard to get a hit song about those subjects. It's, it's, you know, it's unfortunate because I tend to listen to songs that are meaningful to people. And I, I listen to those suicide songs. There's a song called Why by Skinny Living, which is my all-time favorite song, which is so well written um, about suicide, talking about, you know, like you were there and you saved me and all that stuff the music industry is very dramatized. It's very much, you know, the sad breakup songs is what get cut. I want to release so many songs that are just not unquote commercial to release. And a lot of the times, many artists, many songwriters just don't have control of that. And I'm happy to see that more people are, you know, expanding without it. Um, and I think, I think obviously there is a lot of politics within it um, and I hope and you know with everything going on hope that changes and that's why so many people are becoming independent artists is to be able to start releasing more songs that are so personal and it's hard I mean I've written a lot of mental health songs but that's why I really did go into public speaking is that to fit everything you want to say in three minutes and the produce it the way you want to. Stay Fierce has been produced three separate times. There was a country version, there was a pop version, there was that version that I actually pushed towards production for the Asian market. There is unfortunately always some type of politics that get into the way of the actual song, which is I feel like I always ruin music when I talk about it. But um, I do think it's going to change. And I do think it's so needed. And I think people are, you know, having the strength to really share their stories, which is just amazing. And to put it in music, um, it's amazing. You know, I think, you know, I love James Arthur for that reason. And 
and and a lot of um people who release those really really sad bouts i have the full-on playlist of just like cry songs because that's the kind of music i i just i just enjoy a good story and i enjoy learning about other people's survival and music is just a beautiful way because that's the language everyone speaks well i think survival is a, a fantastic word for that you know i i, I really you know, one of my dream people to get on this podcast is kesha to talk about mental health because so much of her music is like i think she finally hit this this point where she was like i don't care anymore i'm going to talk about what i want to talk about and, and somebody else who does that really well is ariana grande who is also that kind of screw it i'm, I'm gonna you know talk like no fakes uh, fuck a fake smile right which is such yeah. an awesome song but you're right it, there is a lot of politics into that, that you kind of have to do the shit that they want you to do first right and then you get to do some of the things that you know we hear this all the time with movies right you can't do your your little indie until you get the studio happy with the blockbuster yeah it's it, it's you know it's just um it's a fun industry <laughs> <laughs> it's, and that i owe everything to and i think that's the thing is i think you know as much as they want to un outsmart you you can always outsmart them and like i said at the beginning like I think the biggest thing is everyone wants to, everyone has too many influences instead of being like the, totally themselves. And I think that's where you can separate yourself as an artist, as someone who releases those songs is, you know, I released the songs that I wanted to release. I chose them very carefully. And, you know, I just, yeah, I, I felt restricted within the music industry, which is why I kind of learned from my failures, always was thankful for everything that happened. And I know I wouldn't be where I am without it, but I knew my voice was so much more and I wanted to share so much more. And I wanted to give my fans the microphone too. I felt like when I was singing, I would desperately try to be relatable to someone instead of truly asking them what they feel which is why I love public speaking. And I, I mean, I'm so thankful for music to be able to cross over into so many industries now, but um, I, I am always gonna release something, just might be a while. <laughs> I'm just a little too busy right now to, to sit down and write. And I'm writing in so many other different things right now that a song is sometimes hard to, to separate. So before we go into all those other things, uh, let's stop and give all the listeners a chance to, to learn where they can follow you online, all the all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I one of the biggest blessings of my entire career was to get the domain Amy Corey. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have to buy it off another Amy Corey. So it's just A-M-Y-C-O-R-E-Y. And that is thankfully on my Instagram and my Facebook and Twitter and um youtube is just amy corey and then my website's just amycorey.com and there's never a boring day which my followers and fans always see so it's always just i laugh i like in a way follow myself because obviously i live for myself and i'm just like wow <laughs> there's it's crazy so i love i love following and i think one of the biggest things i push out there is that my dms are actually always open to my fans um i am so thankful that they trust me to talk to me. And that's why I love social media is that I, my DMs are always open to talk about mental health, about anything. And so, yeah, it's just fun, but that's where you can find me. 
Nobody knows your mission better than you, but sometimes you need someone to help you move the ball downfield. Whether by telling your story a little bit better, creating a fundraising strategy, engaging stakeholders, or improving culture. That's where I come in. I'll bring a combined decade's worth of experience in nonprofits, consulting, and politics to help your organization reach the next level. I practice an internal growth model, which means I work with your team to make strategic improvements using your existing strengths. So if you're ready to take that next step, reach out. You can find me at my website, jshiftman.com, and I can't wait to hear from you. Subscribe to my Patreon for behind-the-scenes looks at the podcast, sneak peeks, and bonus data. You'll also get a discount on Choose Your Struggle merch. Find it at patreon.com slash chooseyourstruggle. And definitely check out her on Spotify as well. It's oh, Anna that Corey. too. Yeah. <laughs> I forget I'm, I'm going to give you that extra shout out there. <laughs> Thank you. I forget that I was in music sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that's actually, so that's actually how you and I connected, right? Was, was uh, LinkedIn um, yeah. and, and we just started chatting and yes, this, so to echo that her DMs are definitely open. She immediately <laughs> got back to me like, yo, let's chat, um, which was wonderful. So, all right. So, so you are making music. And now all of a sudden you're like, help fill in that, that gap a little bit. How, how do you go from putting out songs like ghost tour to being like, I'm going to do this mental health thing. So I was, I've always, the, the crazy thing about my career is I, and it was really scary. I was in a way very successful before I ever put out music. I got endorsements from Mac makeup, from ring companies. And I did a lot of press and I did a lot of interviews and TV before I ever released music. It was truly a weird situation, but it was because of mental health, because of the self-harm and everything that I went through. I was very open about it. And my publicist team put me out there. So I got a personality brand, which I was thankful for. And I was very thankful that they let me be 110% myself and didn't ever try to change me. And when they did, I moved on to another team. <laughs> but I always wanted to do public speaking. I always just wanted to use my voice. And I started having the idea and I kept pushing it to my management team. And they were always, you know, just focused on the music side of it. So I took it within myself to prep and study, write my script the research because public speaking is its own market um it's it is actually a lot harder than just going and talking <laughs> um but i started doing it and i prepped for about a year and a half and um after you know some failures within music i i wanted to make that switch and i was thankful to have music to have the credentials i had with with um you know, Dr. Oz and Gary Vee, meeting them, and, and then obviously with Dolly, um, I was able to infuse the music within um, my script and be relatable, sing, look at what you did to me at the beginning, relating that, you know, I'm a person <laughs> who relates with high school and middle school kids who have been through breakup, because that's really what you get to do in high school, <laughs> stuff like that. But then talk about mental health. And there was a passion, there was a fulfillment that I never felt with music. And after that first thing, and I was so thankful because the first public speaking thing I ever got to do 
was at my old high school, which I almost didn't graduate from. <laughs> full circle. And I, it's a full circle. And it's crazy because in my mental health public speaking, I do talk about how in high school, I ditched the public speaking events. But it wasn't because I was a bad student. It's because I felt so misunderstood by the public speakers that came to my school. And they just kept making it worse and worse and worse. And so I would, I would ditch and I wouldn't go. But it wasn't because I was being rude or anything. It's just because it made me feel more isolated. Mm -hmm. And so that's really one of the reasons why I wanted to come back and be like, you know, I truly understand you. And I truly know that when you hear like, get over it in 24 hours, it's unrealistic. It's on your own time. It's on your own healing schedule. I'm not telling you what to do, but I'm showing you that it's so possible and that the life you can create from it is amazing. And it can be anything you want. And you have that mindset and that passion and that drive. And that's something I couldn't fully fit into three minutes in, in a song. And I was just thankful that I could infuse both sides of it. Well, I love that uh, sort of highlighting that the really good public speakers are the ones like you who are trying to speak to those people who don't want to be there. You know, yeah. uh, I had a guy on this show last season named Dennis Gillen, who's a really fantastic suicide awareness speaker. And he talks about how this one time he was waiting to go into a, a, an event and the person in front of him was like, man, I can't wait till the shit's over like talking about his talk. And he was like, oh man, like that's the guy I want to reach because, yeah. you know, the ones who don't want to come, they're the ones that need to hear this stuff, you know, or be related to the most. So uh, definitely love that. And, and I think really the, the biggest question that we're all asking is how can we get ring endorsements? That's, that's the <laughs> I got the hookup. Yeah, we'll talk uh, later. I we'll would love later. to have a ring endorsement, 100%. I'll, I'll wear 10 of them. I don't care. Um, the most amazing thing about the rings, too, is that it was so branded to me. There were, there were rings made out of keys. Wow. They're called JoJo's rings, and they're recycled keys. And I am a big petrol head, a big car person. And so they would send me, like, rings made out of keys. I still have so <laughs> many of them. It's amazing. I got the hookup. I got the hookup. <laughs> So that's fantastic. I mean, you definitely, you definitely present a unique opportunity for not only, you know, on one side branding, right? You're, you're an Asian woman who sings country music and you've got the, the look, but you also have this incredible story and, and you share it so freely and so well. And then the other side to people who are just like, oh, I don't want this same old boring adult talking to me about these things. And then you walk in and they're like, oh, oh shit, this is not what I was expecting, you know? I'm, yeah, it's very unexpected. I, it's, it's so funny too, because, you know, my people in the music industry would tell me that I'm too intimidating and I'm too serious. And I go, would you be working with me if I wasn't? <laughs> but then when people actually get to know me every single time, someone's like, you're a lot funnier than I thought. <laughs> it's like, I'm a coat of many colors. I have many different faces, but you know, I have so much fun with public speaking. I, I, I think it's because of music. I played a lot of gigs to tables and chairs. I played a lot of gigs to that one person. And I saw mental health, or I saw public speaking as like, it's a forced crowd. They're forced to be there. It's your job to make them like you and stick with you. To where in music, you're trying to get the crowd. You have to invite them. They have to already like you. 
Um, but I think one of the biggest things that my management really just like, they didn't hate, but they just knew how open I was and how I really didn't care. And I wanted to relate is I did a full on on the spot, um, question and answer. I played it as, you know, if you, if I get so many questions, I'll sing one last song. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was the best part about it, that for them to trust me at the end, to share their own mental health stuff and to have fun with it. And I'm very, I, you know, I had my press training and um, anyone who meets me knows I just don't have a problem talking. So <laughs> I'm just full on out there and I just find it so fun. I think that's the thing It's like, you know, I know it's so cliche to say, but anything you do, the good, the bad, you, if you find it, if you find some fun in it, if it's really what you love to do, you just really don't care about anything but the present and doing it. And that's what I loved about public speaking. And I am still pretty young. I, I've only, you know, I'm going to be 24 this year and I'm, I'm, I'm able to relate with those kids in that sense and to show them how much you can get done in a very little time. Um, if you're really passionate and work and cry and blood, sweat and tears. And I don't have hours. That's I think one of the big, I, I'm a very intense worker, um, but I can show that it is possible to do, you know, really whatever you want. And I think it's fun because, you know, I relate and I relate to them a lot. Um, and I'm very thankful how open you know, mental health is now in schools, knowing what it was like when I was in school. It is very different, um, but it's very, you know, good to see. And the teachers are so in it. The principals are so in it. And um, I miss it. I know you probably miss it too. Like I miss the, I miss public speaking so Definitely. Uh, very much. I, I cannot wait to be back on stage. I tweeted the other day that that first speech, I'm going to I'm going to grab the mic like Kanye at the end of the Yeezus tour and just do my entire speech on auto tune singing to the cracks and be so happy to be back in front of everybody. No, but so when you and I first spoke, you were in London. Uh, now yeah. you're back in, now you're back in, in Nashville and, uh, you were telling me this, this sort of convoluted story about how you were on your way to do this ambassador work. And then obviously COVID like, like, you know, you do kind of wear like a bunch of different hats with, I think I would love to hear more about that. And, you know, the, the vulnerability of that ambassador ambassadorship. It, you know, I think it's because I, my brand is me. And I think it has its pros and cons to that because, you know, it's gotten to a point where everything I do becomes part of my career. It's very much a kind of Kardashian-like sense on, you know, whatever I do gets pushed publicly. And I signed an ambassadorship with Whole International Adoption Agency because I actually had a camp growing up that I went to. And as a child growing up, you know, whenever you go to camp, all you want to do is become a counselor mm-hmm. and you can become of age. But when I became age, I was working on my career in Nashville. And so I reached out to them about um, becoming an ambassador for them. And they, they, they signed me and I took it very seriously. I still to this day take it very seriously, but it drove me more into that, not political sense, but that more serious type of role. Um, and so through that, I went 
back to Vietnam for the first time in 2019 um, for a whole music career that I actually put on the entire tour with an agent there, my Vietnamese rep here and myself, my American side of the team had nothing to do with it, which was an amazing feeling to, to do it, you know, with, with my people. <laughs> and I went and um, I met a amazing woman who was the assistant of uh, the president of the Ho Chi Minh City Peace and Development Foundation, which is, you know, UNICEF supported, government supported. Um, the president, Madame Nin, she was the former ambassador to the EU for Vietnam and the former ambassador, I think, for Belgium. Um, and she's a very big, powerful um, uh, woman in, in, in the world. <laughs> and um, when I came back to the States, I, after learning about them, after, you know, talking to them, I was just so passionate and Vietnam became such a big part of my life and my career again. And she personally invited me to become the fourth ambassador to their um, foundation, which then obviously added a lot of pressure and a lot of, um, you know, just gratefulness that who would think I didn't move to Nashville to become that it was kind of that thing and i put on a whole um charity event in nashville in 2020 right before the pandemic and i just started taking everything really really seriously so i really moved out of the music because i felt like i was getting too serious for it so when COVID happened i continuously wanted to move forward i i wanted to be that person you know who who kept showing that it's possible to keep moving forward and because of everything I went through, I was able to stay very calm within the chaos. And um, I was working with the Vietnamese government to allow me entry into Vietnam because they, like all Asian countries, close off their borders because they, they know how to deal with a pandemic. Um, so I worked with the government and worked within my ambassadorship to get me um, entry. And uh, I was kind of in a now or never situation with, um, with the potential of flying out because I would have to take a government plane. I would have to do all of it very officially. Um, but one of the options was to fly out of either Germany or London. And I had some business contacts in London. Um, and then the person, the person I wrote, look at what you did to me was in London. Um, and it was a now or never situation on, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic, you know, I don't want anything, any doors left unopened because at the time in June, you know, things were bad. Things are still really bad, but I felt kind of a more panic to get things done. So I was planning on going to London for two months and then, you know, get that access to go to Vietnam, close the doors I needed to close in London and open the doors in a business sense that I wanted to. Um, and just when I opened the doors in London, it made me see the bigger picture with Vietnam on how if I continue here, it'll benefit everyone, which is all I ever want to do is I very much like Muhammad Ali is it's about the we, not the me. Um, and so I decided to stay in London and I got access to go into Vietnam on December 19th. And I decided not to go. <laughs> and I felt, you know, I, I had my own, you know, disappointment within that, but I do really think it's for the best. Um, and then when London started getting delayed and delayed and delayed within TV, within the restrictions, 
I wanted to go to Turkey, but because of the new variant and Brexit, you really couldn't leave. So I came back to Nashville for a month until everything goes back. How did it feel the first time going back to Vietnam coming full circle as you left, you know, like you said, you were kind of a sick baby and you were going to a better opportunity. And now here you were back sort of on your own terms. What, what was that like? I was really scared. It was one of the only times I ever felt fear. And whenever I feel stressed, whenever I feel we were taught as children to never get into a fight unless you know everything you're fighting for. And that's something I've held on for a really long time. So I knew what I was getting into. And that's always the thing is, you know, we were treated like an adult as kids. We always had to accept the consequences and rewards of every decision we made. Vietnam, I was nervous because I was afraid I wasn't going to be accepted back in. Even though I was Vietnamese, I grew up in America. I'm not the best at understanding or speaking Vietnamese, but I, I, had, I have my Vietnamese rep here who I studied with for um, eight months before on language, culture, food, um, radio, press, because I was doing all of that within Vietnam. And I, made, I really do do my training, do my preparation. But in the end, I also knew that I think I went into it not thinking I was Vietnamese anymore. I was thinking I was an American. And that was really hard because I was just scared that they weren't going to accept me within the market and they weren't going to accept me as a person or as Vietnamese. And that's why I desperately tried so hard. But the second I landed, um, my agent was waiting for me at the airport and I truly, I'm not one to, I feel like I was like, my home is like the stars and like everything. But when I landed in Vietnam, I was just like, I'm home. Like, and it was, and I was, and it was the first time in 22 years that I, that I was back. And I didn't actually even go back to the Nang. I was stuck in Ho Chi Minh City um, because of work. And I was born in the Nang, but just being in Vietnam, you know, being with my people, if I kept my mouth shut, no, everyone thought I was just Vietnamese. And it just, that was an amazing thing. And everyone, it's the small things that really made everything so special. Like they tried so hard, like immediately they would talk to me in Vietnamese. But I was just, for me, that meant a lot because I was, that was what I was afraid of is they wouldn't recognize me. But it was very heartwarming and it made my passion and drive so much stronger than it already was to, you know, give back to my country, give back to my people because of my adoption of what I've been able to do. And that's one of the biggest things with finding my birth mom is making sure that I can show her, you know, you, you gave me this chance and she blessed me. I mean, my birth name, Min Han, um, Min means bright and Han means good moral and good soul. And it's, Apparently in Vietnamese, what I was told when I was there is that it's a really rare name because it's two words mm. and you have to think about the two words to combine them into one. So their culture and everything was just beautiful to me. And it, and I learning about it made me be like, that's why I do this. That's why I do that. It's like, I'm really Vietnamese it's in the blood, <laughs> but it was amazing. And Vietnam is beautiful. Uh, it, 
the food is amazing <laughs> and so i love it can i assume that you, you are going back as when when you know lockdown is over and you're able to again absolutely i i'm i'm really hoping you know things work out in the time frame that you know i am praying and hoping for but you know not everything's on my schedule <laughs> but i i will go back to London and I 110% will go back to Vietnam. I've always wanted my, at the beginning of my career, my goal was to, to, to be able to move around those three places to have my triangle. Well, beautiful. That was really beautifully put and uh, very touching the way you described that trip. Now, Thank before you. we go into the final questions, if you wouldn't mind once again, giving my listeners a chance to learn where they can find you, where they can follow yeah. you and, Maybe this time, remember to shout out the music too. I, I, you know, I was thinking the first place that you can find me is YouTube and Spotify and iTunes. And it's all just Amy Corey, A-M-Y, C-R-E-Y, super easy. Um, so yeah, Spotify, iTunes, I'm on all digital platforms, which has been amazing. Apparently I was on radio, but you know, they don't tell you until you, it's like months later. And then <laughs> Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, um, LinkedIn, all those fun platforms. And my website is just amycorey.com. Awesome. Well, I finish with the same two questions every time. Number one is not just during COVID, but what does self-care look like for Amy Corey? You know, it honestly, for me, is reflection. It's time to be alone and reflect who I am now and what I can improve and what I have learned. I try to find lessons in everything and, you know, accept and not play the blame game on anyone but myself. It's a very intense mindset and something I don't expect from everyone to do because I feel like I'm just that person that, you know, I don't like carrying, I'm so busy. I have so much on my mind. I don't like carrying anything heavy, burden, negative. And so I'm ready. I'm always one to just face it. Whether it's a day of just crying and feeling, I'd rather have that day than have it for 10 years. And I think that is my self-care is taking a day, taking time alone. I mean, I'm around on phones and stuff like that. And back in my career, I was around people 24 seven. And I loved my alone time because I needed that time to get better and to think within myself and my spirit and my soul. So that's my self-care. Um, being a car person, you know, I, I go racing on the back roads and um, <laughs> that's, that's my other self-care is truly just driving. <laughs> Well, once again, a thing that is, is there's no stereotype for the uh, the Asian country <laughs> star who goes racing on the weekends. That is, that's not a thing. <laughs> so, it, yeah, it's, 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 I'm weird. <laughs> I'm that's special. awesome though. And, 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 you know, you have made this your career, which is incredible. And, and you Thank still you. are, like you said, you're only 24. So a lot of bright <laughs> things to come. One last uh, point or one last question is we've now spent the last 45 minutes, you know, learning about why you're incredible. We should all go follow oh. you, your music, your speaking, all that kind of stuff. But who are some people that you look up to that you follow that we should all go check out, whether it's a podcast, you know, who are you reading? What are you watching? All that kind of stuff. Shout out who we should go check out. I love that. I, um, 
honestly, I am a very kind of spiritual being. I love listening to a lot of shamans. Um, Shaman Durek is a very um, kind of fun shaman that I like to listen to. Um, I love anyone with a good story. I love learning about um, just how people survive. I'm very into history for that reason. Um, I think you, everyone just needs to continue listening to you. Thank you. Um, <laughs> it's amazing, you know, your story as well and um, the platform that you give for me and so many others to continue sharing. And that's the thing is that I'm truly one to just listen to anyone, those around me. I'm not one to really focus on one person. Um, but I find it interesting to learn about other industries and learn about, you know, just how people's minds work within their own life. <laughs> but um, I do love a good shaman. I do love Shaman Durek and Dr. Espinoza is a great um, person to follow too. Gary V, always, always big fan of him. And he's the nicest guy ever. Um, I met him at a USANA convention. We were both invited to, into that business and talk about wine. <laughs> I think he's, he's a very nice guy. He's a very smart guy. And um, for business, I listen to a lot of him. Um, and then music wise, you know, I just love a good story. I'm really, really, um, I'm really fascinated by um, um, Billie Eilish right now and just her freedom within her music um, and anyone who is the first of something, I just find fascinating. Um, but I listen to music too for the songwriters. I have so many songwriter friends and I know the stories behind the songs. Um, so I love James Arthur and um, Skinny Living and all those people. Some good music out there. Well, Amy, thank you so much for taking the time. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. I'm so honored um, that we got to catch up and meet and for you to let me on your podcast. I am so excited to tell you about my new CBD sponsor, Roadrunner. Y'all know I love my old CBD sponsor. And I switched for one main reason. This stuff works. I've been a runner my whole life, but unfortunately, I'm also super easily injured. One of my high school friends used to call me Mr. Glass. And back in 2015, when I ran my first half marathon, I got hurt, like really hurt. And since then, I haven't been able to run more than three or four miles without serious pain. That is until I tried Roadrunner CBD's Muscle Gel. In a few short months, I'm regularly running five and a half to six miles each outing, and I'm currently training for my next half marathon. I don't want to call it a miracle cure, but it's damn near close. So check it out at my personal Roadrunner link, which is roadrunnercbd.com slash ref slash CYS. Again, that's roadrunnercbd.com slash ref slash CYS, or at the link in my show notes or on my podcast website, and use the code CYS at checkout to get 10% off on all of their awesome products. Check it out today. Find me on social media. Check the link in the show notes or search for me, Jay Schiffman, on YouTube and LinkedIn, and choose your struggle on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All right, we've come to the end of another episode of the Choose Your Struggle podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. The sound you're hearing is me opening the cards, keeping this one short because the intro was so long. 
But thank you to Amy Minhan Corey, who was wonderful. Please check out the new link from Roadrunner at the link in the bio or roadrunnercbd.com slash ref slash CYS. And do the giveaway. Follow me on social media, reach out, all that kind of stuff. All right. Today we are using the Nuggets of Kindness card pack from Blurt, as always. Nuggets of Kindness because of the horrible atrocity committed on Tuesday night. In, in, in honor of the people who lost their lives, we all need some kindness right now. And more on that in a second for the good egg. All right. Nuggets of Kindness. Whatever it is that you need right now at this moment in time, get it. Prioritize it. Make room for it. Tell other people about it. Your needs are important. Heed them. That is a great card that goes right into the good egg. Here's what I need right now. Here is your good egg. I need you all to speak up. I am looking around this morning. I just posted something on Instagram about the horrible atrocity that happened yesterday. And I'm not seeing as much as I would like to. Now, this is a tough one because, you know, it's not that kind of thing where we should all expect everybody to stop what they're doing. Like, that's not that's not what this is. But there were a lot of people that lost their lives yesterday and the news was covering it like it was sort of a regular shooting, which is a really crazy thing to say now that there are such things as regular shootings instead of covering this as what it was, which was an act of domestic terrorism. And I've seen a lot of people posting like, yo, what the hell? Like, why is it, you know, that we're very quick to uh, rush and, and call things terrorism and all that when, you know, it's a it's a person from the Middle East or whatever, what what have you. But when it's an act of domestic terrorism, our news agencies are very slow to do that. So definitely would love to see more people stand up. And, and that's your good egg. You don't have to post something. Um, you can just talk to someone. You know, this is a white male problem. It is. It just flat out is. So talk to somebody in your life. You know, as a person who is a white male, like this starts with us. It ends with us. We have to talk to those people in our lives, the people that we know who casually make comments or what have you. It's up to us to stop them. It's up to us to educate them. It's, us, it's up to us to make a difference. So post something, have a conversation with someone, do something this week to challenge people who are spewing hate. That is the only way we can end this. I guarantee you there are people in this dude's life who knew he was going to do this and just kind of sat idly by because having an awkward conversation to them wasn't as important or, or they didn't want to have that and it was less important than watching him. Oh, he probably won't actually do it. Well, no. If someone talks about, like we all know those people in our lives who make jokes uh, that they shouldn't, who say things, you know, oh, I was just kidding. Like, were you? That's what I'm talking about. Have those conversations. Be willing to be uncomfortable for the good of everybody else. That's your good idea. Most importantly, show your empathy, be vulnerable, spread your love, and choose your struggle. If you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you know that it's not the only thing I do. Choose Your Struggle is an entire brand. I speak, I coach and consult, I have rock bottom storytellers, there's a lot going on. And sometimes I get to a project and I go, man, I just, I can't do all of this myself. So I turned to Fiverr. 
It's so easy to find incredible professionals who can help me out. I've hired people to help with marketing, help with SEO, help with my website, so much great stuff all on Fiverr. I even found Kid Mental who did the incredible theme song on Fiverr. So if you have a project that you need some help on, go check out Fiverr. Use the link in the show notes or my podcast website and you'll help the podcast in the process. Check them out today.